0: Welcome to R slash Pro Revenge, where an insufferable jerk goes to jail. Our next Reddit post is from Triton V8 Guy. Backstory I'm part of a small, family owned used car dealership. We have maybe 50 cars on the lot at any time, and our main business is subprime or people with less than perfect credit. We truly want to help people who can't afford to buy a new car or have their credit to buy from a new car dealership. We're actually very liked in our small community. So, I recently had these customers. Let's call her wife and him husband. They're in their early 20s. They come into my store, and I like them. They seem like a nice young couple trying to start their lives out. They have two very sweet little girls, and they could just use a break. They've made some mistakes in their early lives, and they have less than perfect credit. I coach them on how to improve their credit, and they seem sincerely interested in fixing it, so I bust my butt to get them a loan, with the wife's mother co-signing on a nice third-row SUV. The wife is literally crying hugging me because every other dealer turned them down. Now, they're a little short on the down payment, so I take a check for the balance, and we agree that I'll cash it on his next payday. This was mistake number one, but it's pretty common in this line of work. I forget about them until the next week when I drop the check at the bank along with other deposits. The next thing I know, I receive a notice that the check has bounced, along with a couple of NSF fees attached for me, and the check comes back. This is a dollar amount that's considered a first-degree misdemeanor in our state, just under a felony. I reach out to the wife to see what happened and how we can make arrangements to get this taken care of. The last thing I want to do is go after a young couple with two small kids. At first, the wife is a little shocked and insists the funds were pulled from their account and I showed them the picture of the NSF check. She understands and says that she can pay half in two weeks when she's paid again and in another two weeks pay the other half. I agree to this and just take them on their word. This was mistake number two. A couple of weeks roll by and I don't hear from the wife or the husband and now I'm thinking that I've been taken for a ride. They're ignoring my calls and texts. You get the point. I get a call from the bank, and I came to find out that they haven't made their first payment either. Now, with this particular bank, if the customer doesn't make their first payment, we have to buy back the deal. Basically, we have to give the bank the money they sent us for the loan. After blowing up the wife and husband's phones and Facebook, they finally call me back. I get this sob story about how the husband was let go from his job and he just started a new one and the mom is going to help them get back on their feet. I go through hell and high water with the bank to make a deal where if they make their payment, then they keep their loan, but I'm still on the hook if they miss any of their next three payments. The wife also tells me that they'll make payments to me on the balance check once he starts getting paychecks. So I agree, they make their payment to the bank and I go about my life until the next month comes around. I get an email from the bank saying the wife didn't make the next month's payment, and she won't answer their calls. At this point, I am furious, and I'm ready to just go repossess their vehicle. They won't answer any of my calls, so I call the wife's mom. The mom scrounges everything in her social security paycheck to help try to make the payment for them, but she's still short. The wife and husband tell the mom that they'll cover the balance, and of course they don't pay. The bank says the deal is a buyback, and we have to give the bank back the money within seven days. Now, the only way that I can pay back their loan is if my floor plan, which is basically a giant credit card that we buy cars on, gets pictures of the car in my possession. I try to call, text, email, Facebook message, anything to get a hold of the wife and the husband, but they block me on everything. They're basically just stealing the vehicle without paying. They even blocked the mom who's been trying to help them get this handled. Yes, they screwed over their own mother in this ordeal. I just want to get the vehicle back so I can move on with my life. And this is where I go pro-revenge on them. I begin by dropping the check off at the local prosecutor and they're delighted to file charges against them. I do some skip tracing calling family members, all of which are more than happy to help because I came to find out the husband has had 7 jobs in 4 months and has burned every single family member with money they've borrowed. I find the wife's father on Facebook. The father has been trying to take custody of his two granddaughters because of how badly they treat them. He informs me that they're staying at their sister's house right over the border. We're on the state line of two states. Remember this. I call up a repo company, and I even make the hour-long drive myself to help get the vehicle back. According to neighbors in the repo company, they've been hiding the car in their garage. I do some searching, and I find out they're both on probation for stealing a bunch of stuff from multiple stores. So, of course, I call up Mrs. Probation Officer to see if she has a last known address for them. I then mentioned to her that they're staying above the state line and bounced a very large check to me. Also, that they're facing fresh charges in my town, and she appreciates the knowledge. So, while I was up at their house one evening, I talked to one of the neighbors, who also hates them because they're always yelling at their kids and each other, and I convinced that neighbor to call me if they ever see that vehicle outside. It took only one day. I get the call, and I send a very large friend who lives nearby them to go get the vehicle. After many expletives and berating my friend, they hand over the vehicle, but not before calling me while he was there and telling me how they're gonna sue me and blah blah blah. I'm out quite a bit of money from this ordeal, but here's the best part. I found out that, by living out of the state, they violated probation and just got sentenced to 30 days in jail from that. And they also just had their court date on the new charges of the bounce check. I got my vehicle back, and guess what? The deadbeat wife's father got custody of the two kids. Man, OP, I don't want to say that you saved those kids' lives, because that's probably being a little bit overdramatic. But obviously, taking kids out of an abusive home and putting them into a loving and caring home would have a huge effect on their future. So the story is like, you're going to steal my car? Well, then I'm going to improve the lives of your children. Like, it's sort of a weird twist of revenge where, yeah, it sucks for them, but the biggest impact is that you kind of rescued these kids from this terrible situation. So this is super wholesome, OP. Awesome story. Today's episode is sponsored by Sunbasket. Because of COVID, I literally haven't gone to the grocery store in like two years. Obviously, because I don't want COVID to kill me, but also because I do voice work, so I don't think my fans would really enjoy my content if I catch COVID and I have to record episodes like "Welcome to R/Pro Revenge." That's why I love, love, love services like Sunbasket. Sunbasket is a meal delivery service that delivers healthy meals straight to your door. They offer organic produce, sustainable seafoods and meats, and best of all, it's honestly really tasty. The other thing I like about it is that they don't only send you meals to cook. Like, yeah, you'll have ingredients and instructions for how to cook a healthy meal, but they also give you snacks, and who doesn't like snacks? Look, I'm just going to read the names of some of these dishes so you can get an idea of what we're talking about. Pan-seared salmon tikka masala over rainbow quinoa. Honey balsamic glazed chicken with warm cabbage apple salad, chipotle barbecue tofu salad with black beans and honey mustard vinaigrette. Right now, Sunbasket is offering $90 off and a free gift when you order. Go to sunbasket.com/r/ and enter the promo code r/ at checkout. Our next Reddit post is from Evil Testmacker. I live in a consolidated county That means that the city and county governments merged some years back, ostensibly to reduce administrative and infrastructure costs. This is important because services like fire, police, utilities, and trash pickup are now managed by former county officials and not the city officials. Many of these services are also much more inefficient, and some services have been outsourced to private companies. My municipality outsourced trash and yard waste pickup a few years ago. And the two companies who now do these collections are woefully inadequate. And their services cost more than when the city or county did it. They both have similar sets of rules of what can be put out for collection. They take fewer types of waste away. And they now no longer come two days a week like the city once did, but now only come one day a week. We're all paying more money for less service. Now that the background is done, here's the story. I did some yard work over the course of a couple of weekends last summer, cutting some limbs, trimming some shrubbery, and cutting down a did tree in my backyard. Knowing what the rules are for how much yard waste, limbs, leaves, and such can be put out, I bagged everything that was supposed to be bagged, filling up three bags worth. They were filled with things like leaves, small clippings, weeds, and such. They require those paper bags for yard waste from those big box home improvement stores, so I use those. I just fill them halfway up so as to not make them too heavy for waste collectors, even though there are no written weight restrictions. However, if a bag is too full, they'll knock it over on purpose to spill out the content so they don't have to pick it up. I cut the larger limbs down to under 4 feet in length or they wouldn't be picked up. Anything at all they can do to get out of picking something up, they'll do it and they almost always leave this horrendous mess behind when they do pick things up. The pile out for collection isn't allowed to be any wider than 10 feet, nor any deeper or higher than 5 feet, nor may it contain any piece longer than 4 feet. All bags must be placed in a row, no more than 3 feet away from the limb pile. My pile was maybe 4 inches longer than the 10 feet, and only because of the tiny ends of the limbs, smaller than a toothpick hanging out of the pile. The pile was no higher than 3 feet and no deeper than 4 feet. In other words, it fell within the size limits, except for a few twigs with leaves. I also had the three bags, each about half full of clippings and leaves, all lined up exactly as required and about 2 feet from the main pile. They were scheduled to come on Tuesday, but when I got home from work that afternoon, it was all still there. There was a pre-printed notice on my door that my pickup exceeded the prescribed size limits, and the note said that I would be required to either pay a $250 oversized load fee or reduce the size of the pile by half to make it fit within the limit. This is where the revenge comes in. I had the next two days off, so the next morning, bright and early, I got out the hedge trimmers. I trimmed the ends of the pile back to exactly 9 feet in length. Afterwards, I carefully laid those trimmed bits on top of the pile. I went to the backyard, where the limbs that I hadn't trimmed up the week before were stacked for the following week's pile, and found four long, fairly straight limbs. I removed all the smaller limbs and leaves from these limbs, ending up with four moderately straight poles, each about seven feet long. I marked one-foot intervals on each pole in fluorescent orange pane, and stuck them in the ground at the corners of a rectangle exactly five feet wide and ten feet long. I got out the surveyor's tape and tied it onto and around the stakes at a height of 5 feet. This established a visual outline of the volume that I was required to stay within. I made absolutely sure that everything in the pile was completely inside the poles and below 5 feet in height. This required adding almost two-thirds of the remaining pile in the backyard to the stack out front to bring it up to 4 feet 6 inches in width, 4 feet 6 inches in depth, and 9 feet 6 inches in length and no piece was longer than 46 inches. This pile was almost twice as much material as before, all within the 5x5x10 by by foot waste company mandates. I carried each of the three bags of clippings to the backyard and filled each of them as much as possible while still being able to fold over the tops and staple shut each bag. I also included smaller sections of the big limbs for added weight. The bags were now completely filled and weighed more than twice what they had before. I had to use the hand truck to get them out to the curb because they were so heavy. Oh, and all those extra clippings I generated filled up two more bags, so the total was now five bags, the company limit. I then went inside, called the company, and very nicely asked they come to pick up my yard waste since they hadn't done so on Tuesday. They agreed to send out a truck and crew and told me I would have to pay the fee. Come on then, I told them. They soon arrived, and it happened to be the same crew that normally comes to my neighborhood. I pulled a tape measure from my pocket and asked them to measure the poles to confirm the space was within the required limits. They did so, and they agreed the pile wasn't oversized, and they proceeded to spend the next two hours manually loading it all onto their truck. Oh, and both of them had to work together to manhandle those bags into the back of the truck, too. I told them very nicely, and with a smile, that I knew what 10 feet was. I pointed to the fence where it was marked with orange electrical tape and thanked them for coming to pick up my yard waste. The two tired, sweaty waste disposal guys just groaned, got in their truck, and drove off. There was no extra fee added to my bill for that month. There never has been since. Now, I know they got paid for their time, and I know that I had to do a lot of extra work on my day off, but since last July, I have not ever had them leave so much as a single leaf on the ground in front of my house. They had to actually do some hard work, with me standing there in shorts, smiling and drinking cold Gatorade while they were sweating. Our next Reddit post is from Crippled Bastard. I'm a regular at a bar. I don't have family and my roommate was out of town, so I went to the bar. I was having a good night. Then, this mother effer showed up. Now, this dude and I don't have a lot of history in my mind. I was dating a girl three years ago. She cheated on me. I broke up with her. The whole relationship lasted one month. In my mind, that was the end of it. Shit happens. Move on. The person she cheated on me with was this dude. Now, this dude was a weird person. I don't harbor any ill will. This guy, however, ran in very vaguely the same circles as me. He would occasionally see me at a bar or a party, and he would make it a point to say, I banged that guy's girlfriend. Occasionally, I would have a party host saying, hey, that guy's worried about you fighting him. Or at a bar, someone would say, dude, are you going to kick that guy's butt? Because he's asking people to have his back. I have zero interest in this guy. None. I just want to drink and have fun. What was weird about it was that he always introduced himself and he acted like he remembered me from somewhere. I'd be like, Yeah, you banged Jennifer. Oh, how is she? We stopped dating. You know, after you banged her. Oh, well, good talk. And then the smug prick would pat me on the shoulder. This was pretty annoying. I dated this girl for all of one month. It didn't even blip on my radar as a serious relationship. Except this guy would show up every now and then and remind me that he banged a girl that I was dating. So I'm at this bar hanging out with some vets swapping war stories. And here comes this douchebag. He goes, Hey, I know you from. I say, Dude, not now. I'm in the middle of a story. F off for a bit. I finished my story and he came back and said, I know you from somewhere. Yeah, you banged Jennifer. I honestly don't care. It was like three years ago. He left. The owner and the bartender were nearby. The owner said, So, do you hate that guy? I told him the story. He goes, Are you going anywhere soon? After that question, hell no. The bartender was pissed because this dude was always grabbing her. The owner hated him because he was a drunk driving moron. At this bar, you don't drive drunk. The owner has a policy that if you need to get home, they'll pay for a cab if you pay it back the next time you're in. If your stone broke, you still get a cab home. Just pay it back when you can. And the owner will call the cops on you if you try to drive drunk. This dude does not tolerate that stuff. This guy had a history of driving drunk from that bar. The bartender went back and made a phone call. I just drank a few beers. I was promised a show, so I'd wait. The guy left and shook my hand. The smug prick even patted me on the shoulder and said, Say hi to Jen. He pulled out and there were flashing lights. The bartender called the non-emergency line and said there was a repeat DUI offender at the bar and they sent a non-marked car to hang out in the parking lot. This was his third charge. The sentence for this was 120 to 364 days in jail, $1,100 to $10,000 in mandatory fines, having your license revoked for 6 to 10 years automatic enrollment in an alcohol and drug treatment program, and the judge could order an ignition interlock device installed at your expense. Merry Christmas to me. <laughs> this post from Flying fox 8 The next time he asks, where do I know you from? Tell him that you were there the night that he went to jail for drunk driving. Or even better, OP, find out the name of whoever his cellmate is. And let's say his name is Bob. Be like, say hi to Bob for me. That was our slash pro revenge. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.